said you're gonna do it on me. Well, <laughs> well, hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the Confused Breakfast Podcast in our new studio. That's why we're all turned up. Do you remember the pure joy of a trip to the video rental store as a kid? I do. The excitement of walking down the aisles, browsing the names and the artwork, and finally picking out the movie we're going to take home with you. Sure, it's hard to beat the ease of the modern era and streaming platforms where you don't even have to leave your house. But there was something truly special about making that trip Picking a movie out by hand and making a pit stop at Heroes for Sale to pick up some comic books on your way home. Yeah, okay. On this podcast, we revisit and dissect some of our favorite childhood movies from that magical era to see if they still move us the way they did as kids. I'm your host, Mike Schulte, and joining me as always, two dudes who have a true bromance. Yeah. Sean Pryor and AJ Vance, how the heck are you? You know, AJ knows my favorite thing to do is after seeing a movie together, we go and get pie. Pie. Yeah. At uh, whatever dive bar we can. Yep. That's right. <laughs> and by pie, we mean just beer. I like to take my shoes off in the theater and just really... Andrea, you are such a basic <laughs> bitch. I know, but I just, it's the quirky thing about me. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. Huh? You guys have such a fun thing. That's great. Uh. <laughs> well, boys, on this episode, we talk about a movie widely recognized to be in the Tarantino-verse, uh-huh. even though it wasn't directed by him, uh-huh. a movie that helped put an incredible list of actors all together in the same movie, mm. a movie that gives us one of the ultimate male movie fantasies of all time. We're, of course, talking about 1993's True Romance. Well, damn dang it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another nostalgic journey to the past with the Confused Breakfast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy wherever you are in the world. Take it away, boys. We'll do. We will take it away. If you are new to this podcast, we will be reviewing True Mo Romance with a modern eye. But in order to do that properly, we must first discuss it with pure full-blown nostalgia AJ, let's start with you. Tell us the first time you saw this movie and what your nostalgic rating is was. What was the movie again? True Romance. Troma Romance. True Tro- <laughs> Romance. I thought we were doing something different today. <laughs> I scared uh, you, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> True Romance. Come on, guys. We know the answer to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seen it. No. yeah. AJ, you're an N.A. on this? I'm a big old N.A., but this Modelo ain't. <laughs> So man, we're alcoholics. God, it's you know what? Just let's bless ourselves. (laughs) Look at the shirt you wear. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just a beer; it's a health potion. Fuck it. (laughs) We're having a good time, Sean. We're gonna skip completely over AJ. We're gonna go to you. Okay, let's talk about your nostalgic rating and memories of this movie. Yeah, I loved this movie when it came out. You know, I watched it. You Uh, know it. I knew that it was written by Tarantino. It was this and Nashville Born Killers, and we'll get to all those relations a little bit later. Um, but uh, yeah, I had to watch it, and I, I loved Tony Scott's films, director of fucking Top Gun, even though I hadn't seen it back then. I love Tony Scott's movies, and I love, obviously, Tarantino, Tarantino. is my uh, lord and savior. Uh, yeah, I'd have to give this movie... I'm gonna, You know what? I'd have to give this movie a 9.8 back then. Well, um, I... I only saw this movie like one and a half times okay. when it came out. Okay, when Think, 
it came out in three. Yeah, yeah. Like when, or, sorry, not I mean whenever okay, okay, or in okay. the next couple years. And what was interesting for me is that that was my chance, right? I'm like 11, 12 years old. I'm not fully able to grasp this fantasy aspect of right. this. I'm just like, yeah, you know, like it, it, it. I didn't get the. I wasn't in puberty yet, you know, so I didn't <laughs> puberty. <laughs> puberty yet. So I didn't have the like the the. Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. I felt kind of weird. I think what's, my mom's listening. So what's puberty? Puber- puberty. I wasn't in puberty yet, so I'll tell you on the Patreon. I'll tell you about when puberty did kick in and when I knew. It'll be a fun story. Hell yeah! Respect. <laughs> Fuck yeah! So like it, this was just kind of an ant to me, and then when I finally knew who Tarantino was, and I'm watching Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I never wanted to like go back to this one because I my wife pointed it out. She said the title's dumb, and mm-hmm. I kind of get it because like eh, true romance, like mm. you you sort of if you don't if you're not forced to watch it, you kind of I want to go out on a limb and say that people that have seen this probably love it and are so excited for us to talk about. It, but I bet there's a lot of people that have not seen this movie. Sure, and so and I think it's kind of because of the title. So I'm I'm still gonna rate it. I'm just gonna give it a six point five. Cool. I think for like a for a nostalgic rating. So if you want to talk about it from just from me and Sean, it's not too fair, but that is an 8.15. Yeah. So nostalgically, <laughs> if you're going to take that and you're going to add it, that is slightly above Boondock Saints, slightly below Heavyweights is where that's going to land. Because <laughs> okay. that's going to land in the nostalgic I, I like that. Respect. <laughs> so what we're going to do, we're going to divulge this. Divulge this? Yeah. Divulge. We're going to tell everyone we're, about it. We're going to divulge everything about this movie scene by scene. But first, we got to talk about the pertinent, important details of this movie. Killing it. Produced by <laughs> Gary Barber, <laughs> Samuel Hadida, Steve Perry, and Bill Unger. Written by Quentin Motherfucking Tarantino. Cinematography by Jeffrey Kimball. He also did a mo- two movies that we've done Legend of Billie Jean and Top Gun. Working with uh, Tony Scott uh, twice. Did Tony Scott do Days of Thunder? I think so. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. I'm pretty sure. Uh, he also did Jacob's Ladder, Stigmata, and uh, Wild Things. Music. Jacob's Ladder, another movie with a bad name that I that affects the movie. Have you seen that? No. Okay. I don't want to watch. Wasn't the even movie. a goddamn ladder <laughs> in the fucking. It. Sorry, go ahead. I'm swearing music, a lot. Sorry. Music by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Hans. 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 Edited by yeah, that's fun. Hans. Wait, wait. He's so hot right now. Christian Wagner and Michael Tronick, directed by Tony Scott. <laughs> Fucking cast. Christian Slater, Patricia wait, Arquette. Wait, start over. This this needs to be highlighted. Okay. Start name this cast. Cast. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette. I have a wheel off my chair. Gary Oldman, <laughs> Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Bronson Pinchot. Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer, Saul Rubinek, James Gandolfini, Tom Sizemore, Chris Penn, Ugh. Michael Rappaport, and Samuel L. Jackson. I'm probably missing a, like some That's, people in there. It's unbelievable. It's excessive. If you could take that exact same cast now yeah. and do a movie, that would that's like that's 300 million at the box office. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <laughs> True, True Romance was one of Quentin Tarantino's first scripts, being mostly leftovers from Tarantino's first thing he ever directed, My Best Friend's Wedding, where Tarantino himself played a character called Clarence who loved Elvis and was, and was purchased a call girl for his birthday. True Romance was Tarantino's most personal script, and he'd wished one day to direct it, but over time the filmmaker grew out of it and opted to make Reservoir Dogs instead and selling the script for True Romance. Uh, so basically, he... Uh, Reservoir Dogs came out before this movie came out, but uh, he was so attached to the script that uh, 
like it was mo- his most personal, like his most autobiographical, autobiographical uh, script because he loves Elvis. Dude. Like there was it, the, the opening monologue in my best my best friend's wedding is the opening monologue in True Romance about okay. him wanting to fuck Elvis. It's, yeah, it goes that far. Uh, Tony Scott read and loved the script and got to work. Tarantino originally had Joan Cusack as Alabama and mm. Robert Carradine as mm. Clarence. Robert mm. Carradine was just like just not just coming off of, but most famous for Revenge of the Nerds. Oh yeah, um, that's weird. Tony Scott originally had Drew Barrymore in mind for the for the role of Alabama, but she was unavailable. Val Kilmer wanted wanted the role of Clarence very badly, but Scott cast Christian Slater instead. Scott offered Kilmer to pick any other role in this film, so Kilmer immediately chose the mentor or Elvis in the film. Kilmer left voicemails of him singing Elvis tunes in Scott's answering machine. <laughs> he went that yeah he he went that far he he wanted to work with uh, Scott again after after Top Gun and wanted this juicy role of Clarence like this kind of uh, outlaw killer loves Elvis kind of thing. But then yeah, Tony Scott was like yeah uh, it's gonna be Christian Slater so I want you in the movie. Do anything else. He's like, well, that, I have to be Elvis. Do you think Val Kilmer in that role would have made this a better movie? I don't know about a better movie. I think it would have been good. I think <sighs> I would like to see him in it. I would have enjoyed it, I think. Christian, I would have enjoyed Christian it. Christian Slater seems like that edgy, edgy main lead kind of character. He's uh, to, Okay, so to be completely honest, uh, sometimes I thought of them uh, for similar roles, okay. and I always did think of Christian Slater as the edgy version of Val Kilmer, oh, yeah. and that's the way I always okay. thought of them. I, I put I pinned them together a lot. Actually, I, agree. I don't nope. know why. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out there. I think this is the right choice. <clears throat> cool. True Romance was released on September 10th, 1993, and on a budget of 12.5 million, the film only made. Twelve point six million. Mm-hmm. So, so hey, has, profits it, a profit. It has hey. since gone on to become a, very, a huge cult classic. But like Mike said, I think you might be right. Like if you like this movie, you love this movie. You're pumped for this review. If you've never heard, if you've never seen this movie, you're gonna be like, yeah. Ooh. And I, th- I feel like that's kind of the way it went when it came out. Unfortunately, I'd like to propose a new segment. I think this is a couple two weeks in a row now where we can somehow make fun of Harvey Weinstein. Oh, good. That's, I didn't have him in any of my descriptions because like, he was a producer listed on that. I, I just refused to. I, I think if I think we can talk about it, if we can just make fun of him, I Absolutely. think the segment would be called "Here's a piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's. I think we we'll just use that. Here's a piece of shit, <laughs> and then and then it'll be us. Yeah, it'll be us talking about Harvey Weinstein. So he thought, like he thought Christian Slater was too good looking to play Clarence, and told Warner Brothers with his expert opinion that someone like Steve Buscemi should play the part. Oh, expert opinion. Expert opinion. He thought Steve Buscemi was the perfect person to play the role of Clarence. Nothing against Steve Buscemi, but obviously he's not the most attractive person in the world. And neither is Harvey Weinstein. I think he's trying to be like, I want someone like me. Me. I want to see yeah. myself in the role because I want to get the blonde girl uh, who's cool. I've got a lot of shitty features. I want at least some one of them personified in this character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about that? And uh, so <laughs> apparently Warner Brothers immediately fired him for that request. And then Harvey had a vendetta against Warner Brothers moving forward. Like, because he's a piece of shit. That's our new segment. He's just he just always has to get his way. That's that's literally it. Fat piece of shit. Here's a nice piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There's a sound bite. He's in jail, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think he's I think he's in jail for some stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, anyways. Well, my friends, <laughs> other than sharing this podcast to friends, following us on our social media platforms, buying merch from confusedbreakfast.com, one of the best ways to p- support this podcast is joining our amazing Patreon community. It's a space where you can support us, but you can also get more. Like, we know you're all caught up and you're like, I wish they'd release an episode every day. Well, you got 90, almost almost 100 hours of backlogged bonus audio content. And if you sign up today, instant, boom, they're in your feed. You get our private Discord channel, which we're now set up. We're going to start doing some live feeds on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to vote on upcoming movies. If you sign up now, you're going to get all those perks. A couple weeks ago, we had some fun conversations. I think that's when I talked about my 45-minute trip to Universal Orlando, and then we <laughs> talked about first world problems of like I only got to ride one roller coaster you Damn know, like, it. <laughs> we had some fun conversations I didn't even get to there. go on the Jaws ride <laughs> <laughs> so check that all out at patreon.com slash confused breakfast up next AJ does the research and reviews gives us ratings reviews from critics and fans alike here we go guys the wheels are literally coming off uh-huh. of Sean's chair the it's tomato meter <laughs> certified fresh on the tomato meter. Number 13 on the list of all movies we've done at 93%. Tied with Terminator 2. Worth noting, it's not as good as The Evil Dead at 95%. Worth noting. Oh, okay. Very few movies are. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, audiences agreed at one hundred a hundred percent that this is ninety three percent. They one hundred percent agree that this is a ninety three percent movie. Nine thousand three hundred out of two thousand. That's movie. right. You got it, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> Seven point nine by IMDb. That is slight of all the movies done. That is slightly better than The Goonies. Slightly worse than Jaws. Wow! On IMDb, if you're talking about ratings of all the movies we've done, if you're going to fall between those two movies, seven point nine. Seven point nine. Remember, seven point one is godlike. Yeah, seven point nine is like this is a fucking seven point zero is you are a movie. <laughs> Congratulations, you're a movie. <laughs> huh. That was a movie. Huh. Well, uh, seems like a nice movie. It's <laughs> a nice movie. Uh, Los Angeles Times Kenneth Turan gave it a 10 out of 100. That's a 1 out of 10 if you're still doing math. <laughs> Fuck uh, it is hard to say what is more dispiriting. <laughs> I, I hate what we've built. <laughs> Let's tear it all down. What have we done? What have we, what have we built here? <laughs> it's hard to say what is more dispiriting about true romance, the movie itself, or the fact that someone somewhere is sure to applaud its hollow dime store nihilism and smug pseudo hip posturing as a bright new day in American cinema. Hey, those are big words. Those are those are words yeah. that they strung together to create what's called a sentence. <laughs> And what that is be- happening and to then us? those became a paragraph. Oh no. That was a hundred out of a thousand. What is the next one? Next one is 
this new studio, I think we tear it all down. Something's happening. Something's wrong in this <laughs> new studio. Some sort of weird vibes. <laughs> Something's emitting from the walls. And uh, We need to do poltergeist and kind of exercise whatever is happening. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's the asbestos. This house needs to be cleaned. Um, 25 out of 100, uh, Gene Siskel, Chicago, Chicago Tribune, said, a stupid stylized road picture. That's all he wanted to call it. Christ. But and that was 25 out of 100. Uh, Roger Ebert, however, gave it 75 out of 100 and said, true romance, which feels at times like a fire sale down at the cliche factory, is made with such energy, such high spirits, and such enchanting goofiness that it's impossible to resist. Just check your brains at the door. It's cool. I like that. And then that's one thing about their show that I really respect is that they were like, they were seriously like a Republican and d- Democrat, mm. like kind of combating and coming yeah. together, uh, giving you one side and giving you the other. And I, I, I respect that about them. Like two, yeah, just two sides trying to meet in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some viewer reviews, 10 out of 10. The best film of this current genre. Whoa. Said Mays J. In 1999, this film has it all. Tension, humor, violence, and an excellent performance by the entire cast. Watch for Samuel L. Jackson, Brad Pitt, Gary Oldman, and Val Kilmer. Don't miss this film. The best film of the year by far, with more memorable sequences that any than any in recent memory. A wonderful fairy tale. Cool. I thought this was a good one. Uh, one out of ten. I am so mad at this movie and at my boyfriend. <laughs> uh, this is Josh Miller last week. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I, I'm just thinking, like, this is this is on point. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> this is the stupidest movie I've watched in years. I even got angry at my boyfriend for recommending it. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Somebody, I like to think that somebody who doesn't care about movies and just watches them for their significant other decided that they were going to create an account on yes. IMDb and then go write this review to say that they were mad at their significant other. I will say, I don't know if I know that person or not, but <laughs> I, this is like a litmus test for a, a, a suitor of mine. Like, I, like I'm, uh, I have a fiance now. She definitely passed the true romance she test. Lo- she watched this movie and said that was good. I think she gave it like a two and a half on uh, Letterbox, okay. which is very dis- disheartening. But she definitely watched it. <laughs> well, and hey, didn't hate Sean, she it. has a Letterbox. There you yes. go. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know, look for the deeper meanings. Exactly. Right. That's right. She yeah. probably started it because she wanted to impress you. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, I like that. That was yeah. uh, 2019. Daniela Garcia Roman may not be with the same boyfriend. We don't know. Well, she's already hyphenated her name once. So. Correct. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, man. Hard to change old habits. You, you know? bet. Uh, one out of ten. This is the last one. Wow. <laughs> A bad movie with excessive violence, said uh, Gustav Lem. Gustav Lem in 2004. All the teenagers that collect guns are going to like this movie. What? There's that whole subset <laughs> out there, yeah. But for me, culture. <laughs> you guys know they're all TikToking and shit. Uh, they just uh, called out that Facebook group. Yeah, they stand nine um, meters. But but for me, it was pretty bad, boring and too violent. Blood everywhere. I didn't enjoy at all this movie. <laughs> I don't understand what the big deal. Also, I didn't like any of the characters. I'm sorry, I'm trying to make it to the punctuation. No, you bet. Quarantino is not the best writer, 
and likes blood too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a movie for everybody. I should add that it has that has too many bullets and could have been done much better with less blood and violence. Uh-huh. But as Quarantino, <laughs> this also gives me an excuse to look for better movies and choose more carefully. My advice, skip this movie and look for something better is a waste of time. My advice, skip your whole review and don't say anything because I I was like almost asleep. I was thinking about literally something else the entire time you yeah, spoke. I, it's not because of your beautiful voice. It's because those words just did not register with me at all. Everyone in this room is now dumb <laughs> for having listened to what you said. We, ho- we hope you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing us hate you. There you go. Call in and we will talk. I'm going to give your one out of ten review a one out of ten. I'm reviewing your review. <laughs> you gave it a you shot. You can't do that. I did it. Oh. I have a podcast and I did it. There are podcasts who review podcasts out there. Yeah. We are literally living in hell right we're- now. <laughs> <laughs> we're in purgatory of the people who review movies and movies themselves. What if? But what if somebody started a Confused Breakfast like after show podcast? Fine. I'd love it. If you do anything with us, that's fine. (laughs) Not biased at all on this program. Christ. (laughs) Well, boys, we got our dream girl, but we just can't resist doing something so dumb that it causes our lives to change forever. It's fine. We'll get a bunch of people killed and alter other people's lives forever, but it's totally okay because we can just make out in public with our hot wife every chance we get. No one cares. They all like it, actually. They told us. PDA's cool. (laughs) Here we go. So scene one, Clarence Worley goes to a Detroit movie theater on his birthday where he meets Alabama Whitman. They hit it off and spend the night together, but Alabama confesses that she is a call girl hired by Clarence's boss as a birthday present. Regardless, they have both fallen for each other. The next day, they get married. Learning more about her former pimp, Drexel, Clarence visits him but is forced to kill him. He grabs her things and leaves. I love Tony Scott films. I love the way they're shot. Um, I know we've done Top Gun before, but um, I really like the the kind of they have. It's like a clear picture, but it's every shot is smoky looking. Like he's got a smoke guy on set. Do you know what I mean? I think I know. I can yeah. see that. Everything is like kind of, especially the way uh, Jeffrey Kimball, I believe, is the cinematographer. The way he shoots it is very. They're sometimes like very close up on the subject. And uh, when it's far away, there's very stark, harsh lighting, but also very smoky, like the light's trying to cut through something. It's very, very dramatic in just just any shot he has. It's kind of the idea of you want it to be just just hard enough to make out that you're focusing harder on it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's what I think of. Like, it's like... Oh, oh, that the the print on that's just kind of too small. I've really got to focus to to read this thing. That's kind of how I feel about like the way that this movie is actually shot. Uh-huh. Like sincerely, I'm just like I, I every time one of the characters is on screen, it's kind of uh, it's it's you you keep paying attention because you want to see more of their face because it's so close up on their face and mm-hmm. it's almost like the camera's like wiggling around or something it makes it difficult and i want to pay attention to it yeah sean how many 
how many times have you dreamed of this scenario happening in your young life? I mean, ever since <laughs> like being into these movies, so for probably 20, 15, 20 years. Is this 20-year-old Sean Pryor's fucking ultimate fantasy in life? Yeah, I mean... This 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 whole introduction. Not, not this girl, <clears throat> not this other girl in the bar. No, 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 no. The who, who is, who is popcorn the, the mom from The Crow, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. Um... No, no, no! You're you're in a theater yeah. by yourself, watching three movies in a row, and the hottest fucking girl in the world comes and sits by by you, falls instantly in love with you, doesn't mind that you're taking her to a comic book store to show her comics. She loves you. It's my it's it's everything. It's it's uh, my pickup line. Where it's like I w- I want to take you to three kung fu movies, and uh, so so you want to take me to the movies. No, and and <laughs> and hang out. I want to take you to three kung fu three. movies. <laughs> That's my pickup line every time. Every time. The moment somebody agrees to that, it's yeah. like, oh, this could be very because well it's it's not it's it's a it's a, a test in taste, yeah, as well as an endurance test. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because this is going to be every Sunday for us for the rest of our lives. <laughs> It's it's so interesting to me because I think everyone that is not super gorgeous and ripped their entire life has has been in a situation where a girl has, you know, shown interest and you're like, yeah, this is probably fake, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you know that this can't – this is not happening. Like, his his radar's up, but he's also like, yeah, whatever. You know, I thought I thought – you take your dress off and you'd have a dick, you know, like yeah. he knows, but he's like, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Cause this is, I love how a lot of the reviews call it like the ultimate male movie fantasy. And it's, it makes sense. Like this is as a male watching this movie, you're like, this is awesome. Like, in, fuck yeah. In the most base layer sense of it all, like the most base sense of what that fantasy is. Somebody who falls into your lap while doing what you love to do, and then you find out that you need to go and be a hero, or you feel like you need to be a hero to prove yourself, and then you do prove yourself, and then you run away into the sunset, or try Mm. to. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to the West Coast now that we've done what we needed to do. And even, Live happily ever after. Even um, like when she stumbles upon him in the movie, as we find out later that she was paid to be there. But uh, she stumbles upon him, spills his pop, spills her popcorn on him. Is like shaking around her fucking uh, goobers and smoking in the theaters. Like any other time. <laughs> <laughs> if that was hey no 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 if that was if, a dude if that was a dude <laughs> some fucking asshole decided to do this. <laughs> Hey, can you tell me what's been going on? I missed the first part of the movie. Mind if I smoke? I've had some. I'm going to sit right next to you. I've had some pretty bad theater interactions in my life, but like, if it wasn't a meat cute, you're right. It would. It would. I would be furious at this point. It's it's a meat ugly at that point. Is what (laughs) it is. It is. It is. You are just. You're right. If that was just some dude. Like that was like, oh, excuse me. Oh God. <laughs> oh sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's can you catch me up on what's happened so far? Wait, is this the second movie? Why are what you sitting next to me? One? Why are you sitting next to me? Oh, the theater was empty. I just I didn't want to be alone. It's empty. Yeah. <laughs> you know who would be perfect for that role? John Candy. John oh, Candy. <laughs> okay, I'll, I have only one scenario that will piss you off worse than that being a dude. Alabama doing this, but to a guy three seats next to you. 
That's by uh, himself as well. Ah, uh, yeah. So she, the only reason that she went to him was he was first in the row. And mm. had he not sat there, she would have come and done that to you. Yeah. That's the only scenario that would piss me off more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That yeah. could have right. been me. I know way more about it, Kung Fu. It could have been that's me. Sonny Chiba. She, does, she doesn't she, even know he that. He doesn't even know he that. He doesn't even know that. This is the first time. Oh, I, know, so, <laughs> I know so much more about that. <laughs> I know more than you. <laughs> uh, I I love when they get out and she's doing the whole kung fu thing and uh, I like to I like to go get pie after a movie and go talk about it. I'm like, oh my fucking god, <laughs> I love you so much. She just keeps getting better. Right? <laughs> like that, she like is so cool. I hate like, to, this. Is, this is my nerddom talking, but after a movie, like I'm kind of quiet because I'm just like kind of thinking about it in my head, and then I have to go write <laughs> something down to what what I thought about it. Unless it's like a movie like playing like Gerard Butler's in. Yeah, and it's just like a fun throwaway kind of thing. But if it's a movie that really meant something to me, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Gerard Butler doesn't mean anything to no, you. No, I love that. That's great. Uh, no, but it, it is. It's one of those things. It's just like I like to go get pie afterwards, and then like in my head, I'd just be like. Do they have pecan? <laughs> what kind of pie? Yeah, what kind of pie? If it's blueberry, if it's, if it's cherry, Ick. what kind of cherry? I like you know. <laughs> can I get some whipped pie? So where are we going for pie? Is this a good pie joint? So what you're saying, Sean? Sean's intellect is in the movies. Your intellect is in the type of pie. What's the pie <laughs> situation after here? Is there? That's, that's the real tell of yeah. if you're gonna be with this girl. Yeah, because it's like I'm. I'm like just. I, I just. Ate way too much popcorn. Anyways, it's all salty. You got to have a little sweet to little balance sweet. it. Yeah. yeah, you get it. You get it. There, this movie really captures. There, I think anybody listening has been in a situation where there's been a quick, instant fall in love with someone. Everyone has been. I hope if you haven't, I hope that you get a cho- a chance to find that someday in your life because there's one in particular that I think about that obviously didn't work out. I mean, not at all. Like it was so fast and intense of like. I think we're we should fucking get married and get tattoos, you know, like this one instant. And I've gone that far, and I think about it, and I think of how incra- crazy that was. But I know that killing a dude would have taken me out of it. Like, I'll get married, I'll get some tattoos, let's go. Oh, you want me to kill your pimp? I yeah, I don't think I can do that. I think this is the difference, though, of this movie is that normally that's exactly how it would go. Yes, she would want you to be like, look. I can't talk about it. No, it's it's too hard. Well, oh, you're there's violent. my pimp. I want you to kill him. You want me to kill this guy, this hardened criminal? Yeah, just kill him, and then we'll be happy. Yeah, and then well, it'll be fine. In this, it's not the case. It it's was, no, we should just move on. Like I'm done, and it's him who creates that animosity yeah. it would go not her. it would go one of two ways it would go like uh oh you went and killed my pimp you're a violent maniac i'm not <laughs> oh. i'm not with you anymore or it would be like a femme fatale kind of thing where like oh you killed my connection to this now i can get out now i can get out of and, Thanks, and go do something nerd. else i don't even like kung fu movies Got yeah him. basically yeah but then this takes like the the comic book pretty much kind of route and takes you into these guys are Completely made for each other. Going back just a little bit, I really, I, I agree with you. I think this is the best I'm falling in love with you scene in any movie I've yep. ever seen in my entire life. He's showing her Spider-Man 1. Uh, and when she looks at him. The, oh. the way she, she's Woo. so good in this Woo. movie. Um, it's one of my gripes later on that she kind of is not in the movie as much as I want yeah. her to be. Um, but this scene like I've been saying, is the best falling in love with the way she's looking at him and looking up from the comic to him. It is, it's so it's, 
the embodiment of somebody falling in love with somebody. I think you believe it because you can see it happening when we don't know the full context that we find out shortly after of she was paid to be there right. and this yeah. girl. But we see it happening leading up to that moment. And then and then and then that's when you get the the very trying moment of I don't know why he'd believe me that now I do care about him when I was paid to be there. That kind of thing, you know. I the reason I think that I'm I'm invested up to this point is because they've taken a lot of these tropes and flipped them on their head. Yeah. But then made the outcome the same. Yeah. And that's why I think I love it. It's Tarantino so really. <coughs> if you think about it, I mean like, yeah, that is it's it's just Tarantino. Yeah. Like that's what that is. And like then when you get Tarantino, you get that like pop culture uh, falling in love with you kind of yeah. perfect woman scenario, I guess. And then you get the Tony Scott love scene, which is blue silhouetted. <laughs> yeah. With, top gun. So with, top yeah, gun. Exactly. Oh my God. I didn't even think about <laughs> blue that. Blue silhouetted love making with a, with a like R and B song going on in the background. Yes. You're right. It, it is, it is like two different flavors that, you know, just being like, Queer, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> eat eat this chocolate strawberry ice cream. You're like, what? Quarantino <laughs> made it true, and Scott made it romance, and they mashed it together. <laughs> That's yeah, what it was. <laughs> uh, I thought it was so interesting because, and you'll notice that there were so many. You look, you read the cast. This, if there's somebody out there that has not seen this movie yet, you're reading this cast, going, "Oh my god!" Yeah. So Samuel L. Jackson jumps on screen. You're like, "Dude, this is gonna be oh. awesome!" Again, this is the third role now. Where he's just been a complete fucking throwaway a of what we've throwaway. done. Goodfellas coming to America and now and now where you're just going, yeah, Samuel. Oh, oh, oh. my note is oh. Sam Jackson. Oh, bye, <laughs> Sam Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, Sean, you probably know more about this. Is this the moment where Tarantino's like, "That's my dude"? It could be. It I, has to be, right? I, I think you know. I think uh, Tarantino's a huge fan of uh, black exploitation movies in general, like Coffee with. Uh, Pam Greer. Actually, uh, I think one the movie Women in Cages, uh, one of those movies, the Woman in Cages movies, uh, has Pam Greer as a character named Alabama, and that's how he came up with the name for Alabama in this. Um, but I think he, yeah, I think Sam Jackson, and he, once he probably auditioned for Pulp Fiction, uh, once we do get to that movie. That might have opened the door for him to he, audition he, for he, Pulp Fiction? Maybe. that Because that's his because probably his first biggest role. He's very right? good at saying Tarantino lines. <laughs> oh my God, he's very, the best. Very, very good. And that's the thing. Like, okay, I feel like everybody's known this person who just, who kind of throws all, almost what you want to call it, like shame to the wind. And it's just like, and says lines like this or yeah. says things yeah. like this. Literally, the line of, yeah, he pussy, I eat the butt, I eat all that stuff. Like it's like it doesn't matter. It's like, but when he delivers it with such confidence, the way that he's going Nobody to else only do that. it. Check That's, it out, man. Like it uh it's kind of the same thing in Pulp Fiction. It was like, no, I don't I don't massage feet. I don't give a massage. <laughs> don't do that. It's it's like the same thing. It's like, I don't eat pussy. It's the same thing. And it's just like it's this idea of like you know, his confidence to be able to deliver the, those statements to people that he might not really know and in in the in the scene itself is brilliant. And then he's gone. He's gone. gone. And ashamed of eating pussy? <laughs> so, who? who? <laughs> eat, eat it. <laughs> get, get in there. What are you doing, man? Craig, close up. Close up. Get, get in there. What are you doing? What, why? It's uh, fine. There's no, don't be afraid. I have to watch this. I, um, I, I enjoy what's happening right now. <laughs> 
uh, guys, my Who mind. Who are you trying to convince? <laughs> my fucking mind was blown. Because it took me three watches and then some research before I even realized that Drexel is Gary Oldman. I didn't even know. Did you know? I I knew, like I saw it, and then like the light hits him, and you're like, "Oh my god!" I can't, That's I cannot Oldman. believe that that was Gary Oldman. The voice, yeah. that he does because he's, he's British, is, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's hard. He's portraying a a terrible like white wannabe gangster, wannabe black reggae. Like it's he like is. unbelievable. That that was a big point of this is like he hadn't even read the script yet. Like uh, up to this uh, up to the like point of like filling. He didn't read the script and he I think he asked it was I think it was Tony Scott and he he was talking to him about it. He's like I haven't what, I haven't even read the script. He's like what what do you what what's my what's the character of Drexel supposed to be? He's like literally you're a white guy who wants to be black who is a drug dealer and a and a pimp, a killer pimp. And, and he's, he's like, and he laughed right. and said, "I'm in." I love it. And he didn't even read the, the part. <laughs> he said in a 2011 interview with American Film Institute that this was one of his fa- one of his two favorite roles. He said Lee Harvey Oswald yes, in JFK, JFK yeah. and Drexel Drexel Spivey in True Romance. Yeah. And if he could, he'd have a whole movie dedicated. This to him. Could, this character could have a spinoff movie. It's oh. nuts, man. He is once. Once he is on screen, it, you cannot take your eyes off him because he's got that eye, that weird eye, and the hair. <laughs> and apparently, he took uh, the hairdresser from Dracula uh, and and had him design that wig for him, like the whole dreads and everything. And also, there was one of his eye lenses from Dracula as well. He just put it in his eye, and they got the makeup crew to make scars on him. It's a uh, hack to say almost, but he's a true fucking chameleon. He is unrecognizable in this. I yeah. normally, I normally hate the throwaway pimp drug dealer actor. Yeah, like the characters are so bad, yep. and they're and you're always like, "Come on, yes, this is stupid." We get and, it, but this guy like had me enthralled. Yeah, it's like I'm scared of this guy. I hate this guy. What is he gonna do next? I was so, and I was kind of bummed that he died. Truthfully, yeah, I, I wanted to see, I wanted him to come back later in the movie or something. It's one of those things that I'll I'll make note of. Like, I can't wait till we get to do more Gary Oldman because I don't right. know how much we've actually, if if any, I, we've actually might be done his up first to it. Potential role, I think, I think this had. is. Yeah, we'll do Leon the professional for sure. Yeah, he's great in that. And I, I just, I think to myself of like, like Gary Oldman is literally one of my favorite actors of this, like our this generation, the previous, like all that. You know that it's. Watching him do what he does in all of his roles when we get to Fifth Element, like oh, or anything yeah. like, oh That's my coming gosh, up dude. In like a couple it's weeks, coming up. So I can't wait for that stuff when we get to talk more about some, him. Some of the my favorite scene of his, I think, is when he gets the um, first of all, he gets the envelope. Yes. and that's such a baller move by uh, Clarence. Yeah, not one cent more. And he, and you're thinking, okay, God, he's offering money. This is and they, when he opens it and shows it to Marty, like. Look at this. Look at this. Yeah, I like them sizing each other up pretty much. He's like, oh, you've been eyeing me this whole time. He's like, I ain't scared of you. I just don't like you. <laughs> Passing like, I, the I, lamp I, back seen, and forth. I've seen that movie, thing. you know, I, and I, have, I've been, I, haven't been paying it, uh, I haven't been paying attention to it because I've seen it before. Yeah, you know? that was a pimp move, yeah. too. I think, that's, I think that helps define Clarence's uh, character, too, is I don't think of Clarence, especially up to this point, he's not some hardened kid. I mean, maybe he's had, like, some... You know, rough up and comings, maybe, but I'm, at the same time, it's like it's pretty just 
he's borderline a nerd. And like all of his dialogue and like what we see from him throughout this movie, it's like it comes from the movie yes. he watches. Yeah, it's a it's a point of pride where like he's seen these movies like this where now that he's got the girl, he's got the whole life's dedicated to it. Yeah. You know, he's got to get her out of there. He's got to get her stuff. Mm. You know, and this guy's a, a hard dude that he's got to get past. You know, yeah. I love how he's just like, he must have thought it was white boy day. <laughs> you I think fucking, it was white boy day? I fucking love him. And who is that? Who is that? That uh, uh, Paul. <clears throat> that is Paul Bates. Paul Bates. Marty. Oh, yeah. From Coming like, to America. Coming to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Yeah, like, dude. how how do we do two Paul Bates movies within like a couple weeks? Well, of each and other? see, this is a great example of like I say, they're so close on the character, they're so close up on it, and it's so tough to recognize Wearing them. Sunglasses the whole time. Wearing sunglasses, too. like all these things, all of their characters. Like you, you somehow you wish you had more time to sit there and analyze their face, yeah. but you they, they don't give it to you, and that's what makes you. That's what keeps you watching in in my mind. Ooh, here's a prop. I do this from time to time. It's sort of my cool thing that I like to do. Okay, Andrea. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want Drexel's head. I want his entire head so that I can shave his fucking dreadlocks off. <laughs> That's my prop. I don't want the dreadlocks. I just want them shaved off of his You must head. think it's white boy day. It's you white must think boy, it's white boy, boy day. day. <laughs> That's my prop. I don't want to keep him. I just want it so that I can end it. So you can, yeah. So I can okay. end that dreadlock growing of his. I was. I thought you were going to say him, give him to Brad Pitt's character. I thought you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I just want his head so I can make it into a shrunken head. <laughs> well, that'd be cool too. But no, I, mean, I want to shave him off. My face, <laughs> my burn fire. There's fire flames. Flames. On my face. <laughs> What about you, Sean? Oh, I need the napkin that says you're so cool. Yep. At the end. That's okay. my right there. Yep. Okay. I the want Ambassador Hotel, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. <coughs> I want the lamp that they keep passing back and forth. Nice. That would be perfect. And I want right it here. For right here yeah. in, uh, on top we of it. We talked about that. Why is it not? Why is, why is it, it not, not here, here yet? <laughs> what the heck? Call them in. Get them in here. And before we proceed, we got to talk about our amazing sponsor, Cedar Ridge Whiskey. Oh, yeah. Homegrown deliciousness from right in our backyard in Iowa. They are just climbing the ranks of most established and amazing and desirable whiskeys made in America. And we love them. We drink them every episode. Sean's pouring a glass right now. Popping bottles. We think you should try it. You should try their their flagship bourbon. You should try their Qu American Quintessential Single Malt, which is way better than Scotch. You should try their collaboration with Slipknot. Fuck yeah, Number dude. nine. Uh, yeah. Nine. Nine. <laughs> you want to go play nine? Nine. You want to go play nine holes? Go get nine in. After a Slipknot number if, nine? If we could, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so check that out. Go to your local store. Go to your local distributor. Try to get some Cedar Ridge. If they don't have it, go to cedarridgewhiskey.com. Order some straight to your door. There's so many people out there that are that are ordering it and telling us they love it, so I think it's your turn. Yes. Now, cedarridgewhiskey.com. 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 <laughs> All right, scene two. So opening the suitcase, they find that it's cocaine and decide to leave for California immediately. First, they pay a visit to Clarence's father to find out he's in the clear regarding Drexel's murder. He talks to his police friends and tells them that the police assume it's to, it's to be a drug-related killing. They leave for California to meet Clarence's old friend, Dick. So before this, uh, Dick. before he goes and raids Drexel's, 
he um we get the first Elvis kind of um the mentor yep. scene. What do you guys think of Val Kilmer and Elvis in uh, as Elvis in this in his Didn't like know. kind of you know uh angel on his shoulder, I guess. No clue that was Val Kilmer. I didn't have any. Didn't clue even about know it. he was in the movie. I don't even think I read that he was in the movie. <laughs> no, I, 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 again, like I'll purposely, pur- purposefully not look at those details, casting, other fun facts and whatnot. If especially if I haven't seen a movie that we're about to do, uh, you got. I like. I like to have that just clean yep. slate, right, going yep. into it. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, "It's he sounds familiar, but he's also kind of doing a voice." Know. But then I'm like, "I don't even know." I want to so see. Didn't, him. I didn't know. I want to see him, and I, that's what I want. Show him. I wanted to see him, and we never got to see him really. It's because they didn't get uh, permission from the Elvis estate. The, yeah, but the they're Presley like estates. Like they no, they wanted to open the movie up with an Elvis song, and they said no, and they wanted to show whoever was going to play Elvis on screen. <sighs> I think it's better for it yeah. that they don't. Okay. I really think that it's like you get kind of in the mind of Clarence, but you're also kind of uh, a step back from that as well because you're like, is he crazy though? Well, but yeah. we like him. But we like him, and we know we know he's into Elvis, so we don't really even see Val Kilmer's face at all. And I really, th- I really, I just really think that the, uh, if you're gonna show uh, an inner voice. That it should be out of focus or it should be like in the background. Cool. I, I think do. that's cool. I, I agree with that. I agree with you because it's if if he's crazy and stuff, it's like I think that he doesn't know who's talking to him. It's his personification of Elvis or whatever it might happen to be, and maybe he doesn't know what it looks like. It brings up two things, especially in the idea of then it becomes an Elvis movie. Oh, you're right. Yeah. To me, it becomes an Elvis movie. If we get to see it, but rather we just get the Easter eggs of Elvis, like the sunglasses and like the his, you know, kind of uh, the angel on his shoulder mm-hmm. situation. Right. And the gold jacket. Right. Otherwise. Or you said, did they ever play any Elvis mu- music in this? No. And so he sings. He's he like sings, sings a few of the songs, which is weird that they could even do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's what I think, too. But again, it, it becomes an Elvis movie to me at that point. And the last the other the second thing is, is that I think somehow, although I wasn't thinking about it in the first or second watch, I then started to think about, like, is Clarence crazy? You almost Is he going crazy? I think that's what I like about this movie is you don't, you don't like, think about that. Your no. first couple times watching, you're just like, oh, cool, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. But he, yeah, but my guy, he's hearing, he's hearing a voice talk to him to tell him things. Yeah, I think you're crazy. It like I, it goes back to the very first conversation of him in that bar with that random lady mm-hmm. that he is just like he's talking about this and he's just expressing these things to a complete what was she must be real? a stranger. Ooh. Ooh. Is Alabama real? <laughs> 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 the lady at the bar wasn't real. Wait, what? <laughs> you're no, you're dumb you're for dumb thinking it. Whatever. Whatever. No, but that's what I mean. It's like he's already he's already a little bit off the rails with his with how invested he gets into things. It's like, does this was this just the final push over the over the edge? Yeah. So we they get to well they find that there's drugs. These aren't my clothes. Uh and they go to uh Clarence's dad, played by Clifford. Dennis Hopper. Amazing. Oh, so good. I think I I love Dennis Hopper in these small roles, like yes. even a villain, 
uh, in speed. I wanted so bad for him to live so that I could connect him to speed. <laughs> That's all I wanted, Sean, because yeah. he's like the There's same a character. Train. He lives next I, to a train I track. know what you're thinking. I know you've been thinking about it, and you're waiting for me to say, this is my dream house. <laughs> this is my dream house. Dude, there's like a train every five seconds. Like, and he Whoa. waves. He knows the conductors. He's like, yeah. Oh, that's a 522. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, is it Blues Brothers or is it this one, Mike? Which one like is the, it? These are real trains. These are real trains. Not these are real somewhere. trains, bro. You can see everything. Real union. You and, uh, you and Sergeant Moundstein just kind of watch yeah. the trains go by. Sitting on oh. your shoulder. Uh, hey, Clark. Good to see you. Shift's probably almost over, huh? Yep. Hey, you want to stop by? You know, yeah, I got some beer. I don't drink anymore. There's some Seven Ups. Anyways, he is he is great. I think I, I'm, I think I'm feeling you, Sean. Like small portions of Dennis Hopper. And right? I I mean I love I will take you know I I think that he just went through a run in the '90s where he plays these standout characters like Blue Blue Velvet. He's like almost the craziest thing I've ever seen him in is Blue Velvet, and he's the standout in that and. The movies he stars in, they're just like, uh. I when when you when you add his whatever the natural flair is of Dennis Hopper, and you just allow that to you inject that into a basic character, essentially like this. That's only a part of like a half of an act, you know. Um, that's when I think you're right. It's 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 one of my favorite things I've seen from him lately. Mm-hmm. And of course we I don't know if we've we're totally there yet, but when we get to the interaction of him and uh Christopher You're Walken, um uh, that will be I'll tell you some more. It's crazy that that whole scene, but yeah, I I love that he he gets mad cuz his dad won't help. Like he explains everything to him and uh he says his dad was never there and got drunk a lot, fought with his mom. On the other hand, he ain't seen him in three years. He hasn't seen Clarence in three years. He finds out he's married, killed two people, <laughs> and stole a shit ton of cocaine. Mm. It's a bit different than a normal Midwestern kind of quarrel with your wife kind of upbringing. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lot to handle after three years. A whole lot going on there. And he you know, still steps in, and he's like, okay, fine, I'll help you. I'll the more I hear about buddies. this Drexel motherfucker, the more I think he did the right <laughs> right. thing. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I did not see this movie like when I was 17, 18, because I'll tell you what, Patricia Arquette would have been like my crush of all crushes Mm. in this movie. Like she is just unreal. I kind of miss the little curl, the girls curl in the front of their hair out. That was such a phase. Like the the feathered out (laughs) hair kind of thing. It brought back memories of of like a few girls I used to know that used to do that. I was like, God, that was totally a thing. And, She's just so she's just like plays the ideal fucking it's like uh, girl so well. It's it's in this a, movie. it's 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 the look and and everything and uh the charm. Oh yeah. And then I think the other thing that really sets it off though is phone book sex. Well, oh, sorry, phone booth sex. Phone booth sex, right. Book. Well, there's books. <laughs> right. There is. He helps him. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the idea, it's this idea that like she is all those things, but then the you know she's yours kind of a situation. Yeah. Like like at, at no the whole hundred percent. The whole hundred percent. And yeah. it's it's the whole thing of of uh there's because I don't think they, I don't think they play to that that I can think of at any point in the movie of where there's a question of it once they solidify it. I don't think he, they, it's he knows He's he like, knows. Okay, yeah, there's we there's no question of it. And even when you see these moments uh, later on, um, 
that put her into questionable situations, it's still never even yeah. doubted. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it all plays together. I re- yeah, I think this um, this whole phone booth scene is completely sexy. I love that. Hello, <laughs> like the big bopper thing. Um, I love that about it, and I I I love. Well, I don't love that. Uh, like the the thing of give he gives the phone to her, and then he's asking questions. Yeah, like. Did he get the mail yet? Did you check the mail yet? Did you check? Okay, listen. It's game of telephone. We've been with married. Telephone. We've been married for one day. If this is gonna be like, if I'm gonna be, <laughs> if I'm gonna play like tag on on phone with you the rest of our lives, I don't think this is gonna work out for me. I don't think me. so. I didn't know you needed a fucking second. It's actually one of my okay. pet peeves. So I think you need to know that about me. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hated that. <laughs> Super like, annoying. What's What's she up to? What What's he doing? Well, just what's ask he doing her. Now? Just ask him now. <laughs> just ask her. You You take the phone. Did he get the letter? Did you get the letter? What letter? The letter. What the letter? letter? The letter. What le- the, did he get it though? Did he? Ch- well, did he check the did mail? You check the mail. Well, did you check the mail? It's like you're right. This is the worst. <laughs> All right. So scene three. Clifford Worley is ambushed by gangster Vincenzo Cacati. Cacati. Koki. And his men who want Drexel's drugs back. Clifford refuses to reveal where his son has gone and is killed. The gangsters find a note with Clarence's destination. Clarence plans to use Dick's contacts with an actor named Elliot to sell the drugs to a film producer named Lee Donowitz. What a way to get home. What do you mean? Oh, to show up to fucking (laughs) Sicilian monsters? in your face or gun to the side of your head and get punched in the face. Good God. Do you think they killed his dog? I don't think so. I think they, because uh, he said, Brommel, Brommel, where are you going, Brommel? Like, he kind of runs off. Right. And he's gone to go fuck with the other rail railroad dogs. Right. But There's what are dogs to have fun with? But what happened? Why did they, why did the guy leave and then come back in? Basically, like, you know, he, he sends one of his mobsters out. Uh I don't want to have this conversation. Why do, why do you Why do you want to make this a real thing? Why do thing? you want this to be a thing, Michael? I, I think they killed the dog. I think they killed Brummel. I don't like that. Um, I there. I have a few questions about this. Movie are you trying like, to? Are you just trying to get us more upset about yes, these people? Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. Is well, this one of the greatest scenes of all time? This is yes. one of the greatest <laughs> scenes of all time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think yeah, it's it's like one it's the it's one of those Tarantino scenes. It's one it's like the Reservoir Dogs uh Mexican standoff. It's the it's the beginning scene in Inglorious Bastards. It's um I would say the Django scene uh of Do- Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Um the, the whole uh, table scene in that candy. movie. Yeah, with candy and stuff or It's just perfection. It's it's like a, a reference to something, but it's also like there's a threat involved. It's everything. Like it's it's just one of those Tarantino scenes that it's just unbelievable. He said up until he wrote the opening scene for Inglorious Bastards that this was his proudest writing moment. It's in it's incredible. Like and and again, it's be I think it's because it's delivered by Dennis <laughs> Hopper and Christopher Walken. Yeah. And those two people going literally head to head. <laughs> it's so good. This is it's like it's like a final scene of Rocky, dude. Like it is intense. It is so and and there's it's riveting. It's so riveting to keep you locked in. No music, no sound, no nothing. Just them talking to each other and just kind of at one point or another, just going at each other's throats. Yeah, verbally if and you had, calmly. If you had never seen this movie and you showed this scene to someone and said, "Who wrote this?" You'd be like Tarantino. Mm. 
No one writes like no one can deliver that way. Apparently, Everybody tries, but they can't. He heard this story from uh, some someone was like in his in his house as a kid was like t- talking about Sicilians and mm. and this whole kind of really very racist shit. Yeah, uh, that's happening. And he's like, oh, I need to remember. And he like kind of recited that to his friend later on in life. He's like, I need to remember that. That's a good. That'd be a good scene in a movie. Here we are. It's just like real life shit. It's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just him um, injecting this in, and it, it's it just. I like how much they show the other person um, while th- someone's talking. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They're showing a lot of reaction, you know, rather than what's being said all the time. You're and right, I, I really do. do like that a lot about this scene. I think that's what adds to it. It's it's just two powerhouses, Christopher Walken, Dennis yeah. Hopper, obviously. And then later on in the film, we get references to Deer Hunter and Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Apocalypse Now, Dennis Hopper was in that. Yep. Deer Hunter, Christopher Walken. Was yep. in, it, it's like, it's it's cinema history, even, even in just a good scene in cinema. Right. Then there's moments they just don't have to do. Like, there's this built-in mutual respect almost between the two guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, where Walken... This guy, this fucking yeah, guy. Yeah, well, and he, like, kisses him, but yeah. Walken two different times hurt Dennis Hopper's character and then handed him a rag. Yeah. Right. Say, like, clean yourself up. You're, like, you this know, is what You don't have to do that. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna hurt you and then give you the Band-Aid. Yeah. Like, I, that's, I love, that's the thing. I love the lines. Like, kind of one of them Chesterfields. And I was like, that's right. when he knows. Yep. That's when he knows he's not getting out of this. Yep. Correct. And he starts, you know, and his head goes, story. all right, well, then I'm going to fucking hurt this guy if I can on my <laughs> yeah. way out verbally. I, uh, I, the, the one thing that I thought was uh, just interesting to read, and I don't even know why this is interesting, right? But at the same time, there's a point where um, – they're going back and forth and they're laughing and stuff. And, and Dennis Hopper calls him a fucking eggplant. You know, you're an eggplant. Doesn't mean anything. Well, it's supposedly it, I think eggplant has racial does it implications. So I, I've heard, I've heard that that does. Okay. I assumed that it did. I don't, I haven't. Well, he calls but, him, he calls him that and he calls him an eggplant. And that's like, it was a, these are the only two things that were actually uh, improvised yeah, yeah. in this scene uh, yeah. for dialogue. And then, and then Walken calls him, and you're a cantaloupe. Because and, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't like again me looking in. I guess it, it's like there. I don't know what the value is of saying those two things, right? Uh, but at the same time, those are the things that are improvised in this scene, and then it ends pretty much. From what I gather, he did he improvised the eggplant, which is a racial, racial racist thing. Okay, but Walken didn't know. Like many people, I wouldn't know that an yeah, eggplant. I, so Walken's just like ah, cantaloupe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, like that's just how his brain worked. <laughs> See, and that that's that's the thing. And I thought for some reason, like reading those like little bits of information of like that's that's the <laughs> moment that they decided to step outside of this dialogue. I thought it was pretty. <laughs> it's one of those scenes, like legitimately. I th- I know we've brought it up in like Jaws, like with um, sorry, what uh. Not Roy Scheider. Yeah, we 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 did that on Bert's cast too. I couldn't remember what his uh, name was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not Mitchum. Quint. Quint. Whoever plays Quint. <laughs> yes. uh, Sorry. He. Uh, it's that scene. Yes. In, in that movie. And sometimes I will just look on you when I'm bored. Just look on YouTube. These perfect scenes. Yes. And yeah. this is. I only want to watch this scene. dialogue. Yes. Yeah. Um. I I did read a little bit of thing too where, um, Dennis Hopper was afraid to have the gun pointed at his head yeah. like directly. It's kind of a. <laughs> Uh, rust moment, um, but uh, he then or uh, Tony Scott was like, "No, it's fine." See, he he points it to his head, and it's a blank. But the gun itself, like discharge and like went went like out instead of back. 
And so it like punctured a head into Tony Scott's or punctured a wound into Tony Scott's head. Jeez. And that would have happened to Dennis Hopper. And he's like, see, I see fucking told, I you. told <laughs> you. All right, see, I mean, like. <laughs> I have a question for you. Do you think Christopher Walken could have been in like Goodfellas? Like yeah. his portrayal of a mobster is it too is it too weird because he's such a weird guy or could he truly have been in Goodfellas and bid like one of the guys? It's uh, it's tough. Uh, it's I'm, interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this first and then because Sean's gonna give a better answer. I think he's uh I think he's a little bit strange for these mobster roles personally, but I think that's because of what we've seen and known him to be. At times, I agree throughout with his you. career, I think he's a heightened gangster. I don't think he's a realistic like Goodfellas gangster. Okay, sure. I think he's a uh, Tarantino. He's gangster. a Wayne's World two gangster. Yes, yes. Like yeah. like I, uh, I, the bad guy in a in a comedy. As if, <laughs> as uh, you know, just juxtapose as those two movies are. Yes. That is a, an apt thing to say. Okay. I think if I was going to say that he is a gangster, he is a gangster in the side of. Um, this was his life, and then he got put into Witsec, and he became Clem in Joe Dirt. And that's <laughs> the kind of gangster he is. I mean, Kansas. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of times we talk about actors making reoccurring appearances on this show. You know, like, oh, that this actor's been in three of our movies we've done. Well, guys... It's the first time I can say that a roller coaster has been in our in our movies twice. Oh goodness! Oh my god! <laughs> the Viper at Six Flags Magic Mountain was also in Encino Man. Encino Man? He's a caveman. He's a caveman. He's a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been. I'm so excited to say. I mean, uh, we got our first famous roller coaster. Love guys. that. Yeah, I just want to let that. you know the Viper. Hey, is that the one we wrote? No, that was the Diamondback. That's that's a different, different thing. thing. Different, different thing. thing. Yeah, that's They're fun. riding in reverse. No way. No way. <laughs> I love that really? they just break in. He can't even get dressed. He's still in his boxers at the theme park, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, Michael Rappaport's great in this. Like, I usually don't like him. Really? For some reason, I don't know. He's he's just got like the same way of saying every line in every movie that he's in. He's like he's always yelling. He's Michael Rappaport. It's yeah, like that's New who York he is in person. Kinda, yeah, yeah. You're right. I listen to the Stern Show. I'm a huge Stern Show fan, and he's become part of that universe. Yeah, like Michael Rappaport, and he's the same. Is the same guy. Like that's just his personality. I really like it, and I and you know, I guess I do. It's kind of a Bill Burr effect. Yeah, like it's just like yes. it's very it's very intense. Even if he's trying to be like, it's like if Bill Burr was in this movie. Yeah, like that's him. That's Michael Rappaport before yeah. Bill Burr. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always something with him. It's like so. So did I get the part? Yeah. Or like I went and audition for this movie, and I'm really excited. I think I got it. You know that kind of thing. It's I, like that's Michael Rappaport. But I love Michael Rappaport. Yes, I I really do. I loved his. <laughs> fucking audition yeah. like <laughs> yeah. laugh out loud funny when he's like get off the car <laughs> so, so i'm driving right so i'm driving, driving. it's he, like this is the first like this. one because they changed up the role on him right when he got oh in. that's right <laughs> so he's like oh yeah we already gave that to so-and-so so like, you you are the taxi driver he's like oh, oh okay yeah hey motherfucker He's, Who the hands, fuck is that guy? His hands are way up here. Yeah. He goes, I'm driving. I'm driving. <laughs> yes. That was a so, laugh out loud So moment. speaking of the roller coaster, he was like deathly afraid of roller coasters. Him and Bronson Pinchot were like height. They they did not like heights at all. And Christian they, Slater? 
No, uh, Bronson Pinchot and oh. Michael Rappaport. Oh, Michael, Michael Rappaport. Okay. Uh, so you can see in that scene, they, that took like two days to film, that the whole roller coaster scene. Uh, you can see that one day they he didn't know they were going to be on, on a roller coaster. <laughs> and so they just sent him on it and did the lines. And then the next day, he's like, I'm fucking afraid. And like probably puked all over everybody. I'm afraid of the roller coaster. So they gave him like a, a pill to like, calm himself down. You can see in the edit of him like... <sighs> Or like, hey, <laughs> you know, just drugged up and having a good time. It's he's pretty e- great. He's either pinned or lo- just completely loose. Yeah, <laughs> just exactly. Like, yeah. It's so weird to me that a roller coaster scene is like so important that we're going to spend two days of shutting down a park and all of our <laughs> no crew to be like, kidding. we got to get that roller coaster. I wonder scene. how many family vacations they ruined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. We're filming a Tarantino movie. You are close for a Tarantino Tony Scott movie. <laughs> Uh, happens all the time. Oh yeah, no big deal. Don't so worry they, about it. So they mention, uh, or um, Bronson uh, Pinchot's character mentions Lee Donowitz, and so Lee, Lee Donowitz, Donowitz is a film producer in this movie, and uh, in uh, like Mike said, this is like part of the Tarantino verse, and so that character is uh, essentially and confirmed to be related to Donnie Donowitz in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, that would be like grandson or something yeah. like that. That's like that's one of my favorite Tarantino movies is Inglorious. It's super cool. Bastards. Bastards. Uh, there's there's a couple more things that does confirm that. So you've got that. Uh, what else do you have? You got um, the the sunglasses that Christian oh, Slater this. was wearing are, are the same ones Uma Thurma wears. Uma Thurma Uma Thurman Thurma. wears in Kill Bill One that she takes from Buck. We got Alabama. Yes. who Harvey Kites, Mr. White mentions in Reservoir Dogs ha- having worked with. Oh, uh, that's right. He's just like, oh, I worked with Bama. Yeah, I worked or, with Bama. So yeah, this is a nice girl, you know. She was a nice girl, but yeah. you know, we just had to sl- split it up. This is where it's interesting because you read about the Alabama thing. The, this movie came out in '93, but it's supposed to take place in like the '80s. Okay. True romance, right? Am I, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's more of a question. I'm hearing this because technically this came out after Reservoir Dogs, so it's very easy to say that Alabama, um, before she met Clarence, worked in a life of crime. Mm. But, but from what I understand is that technically true romance was supposed to be like a, the 80s, even okay. though it came out in the 90s. So that means she did it after... After this movie, she met Mr. White, which could be confirmed in uh, the original script. Um, the original Clarence script. was supposed to die. Supposed to die, and I think that's yes. where I—that's where I get it. That's where I think that Tarantino's mind was going. Was Clarence that dies, so she moves on. She to a moves life on of crime. to a life of crime yes. and works with Mr. White later. So there you go. On. Yeah, and I guess you know you maybe look at what um, Vietnam movies that they were talking about too. Uh, you know, they were talking about when those were released. Yeah, and TJ Hooker, TJ Hooker. Like that that would have been. Um, yeah, the- I'm going to be on TJ Hooker. You know, an episode or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, that that might help confirm those timelines okay. too. There you go. Yeah, so, yeah. That makes sense. All right, scene four. Elliot, who has some of Clarence's cocaine, is stopped while speeding and is arrested for drug possession. To escape prison time, he rats out Donowitz, and the police prepare to raid the drug deal. Alabama is found alone in their hotel room by one of Kakati's henchmen and is viciously beaten. Alabama fights back and miraculously manages to kill him. Elliot is made to wear a wire by the detectives, and Dick's roommate tells the gangsters about the drug deal location. What do you do? You guys like Bronson Pinchot? What what do you uh, what what would I know him from? I don't know because I feel like everyone knows his name, but also doesn't really know what to tell yeah, me. I think he's in Beverly Hills Cop as like a um, a store clerk. 
like just a random role that he makes Eddie Murphy laugh a whole bunch. But uh, I love him in this. I, I like the oh, whole. Yeah, he, that's right. He's like Enzo or something like that. It's, it's, it's nice. Yes. It's like, it's a, no, I can't. It's serious. You know, <laughs> yes. like that kind of thing. That's who he was in Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I love I love his role in this, too. Just, Serge. Serge. Yes. <laughs> Serge. That's who he was in Beverly Hills. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's <laughs> I like, had to make it Animal happen. Crackers like, uh sure he's like oh, don't take the giraffes my wife likes a giraffe okay <laughs> anyway he's like trying to make a drug deal happen but he's like with these eccentric characters yeah. talking about fucking animal crackers and going on a fucking roller coaster ride he's just trying to get a blow jo- a blowy on the fucking road you oh, know <laughs> and also like do I, do I look like a beautiful blonde with big tits and, a, and an ass that tastes like mm-hmm. vanilla ice cream what? What? <laughs> I love that. I love that he goes back to to repeat the entire line yes. again, like just to reiterate. Yes, I'm serious. Like this is what it is. What do I think about him? I don't know. I like. I have no problem with him. I think actually he he might actually be kind of the perfect person for this I role. Yeah. Because he is so he is so out of his element. I think. Right. I mean, or. or or am I wrong in that? I feel like he's this is a guy who's out of his element and he's trying to make something happen for his boss. I think he's a true performer where he's like trying to get things done for his boss. Yeah. Yeah. And like he's like making jokes with uh Corey and uh the other detective, Tom Sizemore and uh, Chris Penn, you know, joking around with him. He's a true performer. Like he can't take anything seriously until it gets serious, you know? I think he's that kind of thing, and it's perfect for that. Can can I make a just a notion for the world that I want to live in the universe where anytime there are two detectives, it's just always Sizemore and Penn. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, can we just go ahead and agree on that? That just replace every single two detective thing with those two. Yep. Stamp. Stamp it. Stamp it. They are fucking perfect together. Amazing. Can you, can you even imagine being in the same room as those two guys, just their normal selves, if you let alone their characters, if you want to talk about spinoffs, I need their buddy cop movie. Yep. That's all I freaking need. And maybe they're half brothers. I don't know. Because they should be. Their eyes tell that story. Let's be <laughs> oh, real. Oh, God. Dudes, like, I'm serious. Like, like watching Tom Sizemore, for some reason, I've seen a lot of times Tom Sizemore movies lately. I don't know why. Um, well, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, it's super yeah, weird, right? Um, but, like, watching him and Sean Penn uh, in, in these roles and their back and forth their timing somehow is impeccable. I don't know how. I don't know why. For some reason, I believe that these guys have been working, being been buddy cops for a long-ass time. It's like Tom Sizemore is the same character that he played in uh, Point Break. Like the undercover guy, you know? Yes. I could see that. that. He became a detective and kind of cooled down a little bit, but he's still that kind of, he's still kind of unhinged. Still, yeah. And then yes. Chris Penn's character is more like, hey, it's, it's, shut up, shut up. It's, hey, we've done this a thousand times. Yeah. And I believe them that they've done this a thousand times. Mm-hmm. That kind of a thing. Yes. I believe that 100%. I agree with you. Right on. <laughs> uh, I li- if we were on a train to yes. go punch a face, yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Most punchable face. You, I mean, technically, you started that. I was, I Did hit I? the button, but you started saying something. So, were you going to talk punchable face, or would no. you like me to talk? No, I want you to punchable face, strictly based on how much I want to punch it, which makes sense because that's what the punchable face is about. Yep. <laughs> is is Virgil? Okay, so you're this, on the verge. I I'm on the verge of of <laughs> wanting to punch Verge so hard. 
I this this is such a hard scene to watch. This beat up scene. Yeah. With uh, Alabama and him, like he deserved everything he got from her, and I'm um, so happy that he got it. James Gandolfini, um, from Lord of the Rings. Yes. I think Tom Sizemore was, a, was a, <laughs> okay. Fucking Christ. Gandalf. I know, I know, I know. Dude, now all I I need is an SNL skit that is is Gandolfini. (laughs) That's all I fucking need now in my life. I don't give a shit where it comes from. It's like... Jesus fucking Christ, get the ring out Mordor. Run, you Wait, fools. It kind of run. It kind of makes sense because usually like magician names end in Eni. So <laughs> Gandalf Eni. Like Gandalf Eni. <laughs> ah, this is awesome. Bilbo Baggins. Frodo Baggins. You're gonna need to get that ring to Mordor. Jesus fucking Christ. Why don't you use your fucking brain and get that fucking ring to Mordor? Huh? Huh? He's, he's my punchable face, guys. I love it. Just strictly for this scene. It's no, ridiculous. Yeah, and he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, as this this character sucks, it, it is, it, you're very, very mad at him. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but I do think that he's great at playing this, for sure. Well, of course. And even in this, it's kind of, you would not get away with this at whatsoever today, but to get into character, Patricia Arquette asked Tony Ugh. Scott to smack her in the face just to get angry. I don't like that. I, I, yeah, that's, that's insane. That's some dedication right there. Like she did. She said, Hey, I need to get in the right mindset of this role or like with this scene, these scenes that are about to happen. What's the best way to do that? <gasps> slap me. Take a hit to the face to Ugh. take a slap. I mean, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever makes you kind of get into it, you know, but I, you know, I, maybe have a woman do it. I don't know. There's right, probably right, women right. on set that can do it. I don't know. But, Maybe it was more effective to her that it's a man and it's the the commander in chief of yeah. the set, I guess. But uh, yeah, it sucks a little bit. But yeah, are you punching him? Yeah, are I'm you punching him? I'm Virgil. Can I can I throw you, can you out it. here? Do you I can just, all have your own if you want. Out. And you know what? I know I'm going to get a rebuttal on this one, but uh, <laughs> it needs to be, uh, in my personal opinion, it needs to be Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh yeah, we're gonna, we're, we're, we're punching Brad Pitt. We're punching Brad Pitt. Uh, you want to destroy something beautiful? Well, I think we need to. That's what you are. He's a beautiful man. We're, I just want to destroy something beautiful at this point, guys. Come on, are you serious? Like, no, man. Like, no, no, I'm not. Uh, no, they they did stop by here, but um, they're going to they're staying at the Safari Motor uh, Motel <laughs> in. in. And uh, how do you know that? Did you go there? No, no. But they were here, and then they left, and then like right after that, for those people, he's like, "Fucking condescend, condescend me, man! I'll fucking, fucking kill you, man!" <laughs> but like you, man. the way he pauses, like condescend, condescend condi- me, man. Condi- Didn't he pretty me, much man. improv most of this? Yeah. Didn't Tarantino? It's amazing. <laughs> yes. That's why I want to punch him. Because he's so... Well, yeah, James Gandolfini is amazing at creating this character that I want to punch. Yes. Let's let's hold on to Brad Pitt real quick. Because okay. first, I, James, James Gandolfini's Virgil character is a fucking idiot. Oh, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit, but he's an idiot. But he's an idiot. He does two moves that yeah. seal his fate. One, he lets Alabama laugh at him for how dumb he looks. Yes. And he has to stop to look in the mirror. Check the to see what he looks like when yeah. he's trying to kill this woman and get out of there. Then two, where, where in what universe do you <laughs> let, do you go, yeah, tell you what, you go ahead and take that corkscrew. I'll give you a free shot. Like what, what is going to happen? Um, 
also, Mike, he didn't check under the bed yeah. for the three things. <laughs> three, it's three strikes. You so maybe it. you're right, bro. Virgil, you're out of here. I think you're right. You're right. What, what, what is going to happen here? Floyd, but you're, I think you're right. It's he's a he's a dummy. He's a psychopath who dummy. is uh, also trying to go do an important thing that the the boss probably sent him to do. It's like go. Yeah. The boss told me to go do this. Boss told me to go get the cocaine and kill everyone involved. You know. The boss told me to show up and see if I was going to get a. See if I could find the drugs. I didn't even look under the bed. Oh, man, fucking Christ. I can't wait to tell the fellas about ah. this. Jesus fucking Christ, he was under the bed the whole goddamn time. Oh, man. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, well, i just like to say that uh, at this point, I love Patricia Arquette in this movie the whole way through. And then after this, she is kind of a... Not in the movie whatsoever, as much as I want her to She's be. She's almost afterthought at this yeah, point, unfortunately. It, Their relationship becomes com- kind of an afterthought. She covers, yes. She covered like, well, even in this scene, she, like, he's fucking Christian Slater or uh, 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 Clarence. Clarence is on his fucking uh, Elvis shit talking to this random dude getting chili dogs or whatever. Yep. You know, uh, while he, his he was going to be another shit kicked out of her. Uh, magazine guy was going to be another punchable face <laughs> yeah, for me, but yeah. it's fine. I'd we'll like we'll, we'll, we'll get to him one. in The Rock. I don't worry. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. We'll get it's to like, him in The Rock. I've been, don't watching, worry. I've been watching Friends a lot, and it seems like he should be in, in a Friends episode. <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, Real quick, I just want to point out Brad Pitt. The hair. We all think of Brad Pitt as Brad Pitt, and the unique thing about this movie is that you, you're you're looking back on it being like, Sam Jackson, Brad Pitt. Oh, man. This, I want to tell you where Brad Pitt was at in this. This is pre-fame Brad Pitt. Uh, 1992, he did A River Runs Through It, which many would note as one of his first like main roles. This comes out in 93, then Legends of the Fall 94, then seven ninety five, we are now moving up the Brad we're, Pitt. Everyone, but at this point, you would have watched this movie and been like, oh, I, th- "I think I've seen that guy in a couple things before." Yeah, that's a good beautiful point. man. But yeah, I don't really know him. Brad Pitt. Oh, huh. cool, Brad Pitt. Yeah, so know. that's that's what I think so cool. I wanted to be like, "Oh, that's so cool of Brad Pitt for just taking a shit role in a movie." But it's like, no, he he was taking whatever that's, he can. Get. That's what's so cool about this movie, though. I think is because like I think people respected Tony Scott and respected Tarantino's script so much they would just like do anything to be a part of whatever it had yeah. to be. You know, like Val Kilmer playing. He's not even in focus. He's like, I just want to be in it. Yeah, and yeah. then Brad Pitt just being the stoner guy. Like anybody could Spicoli could, but if you play it well, you're right. Yep. And I think this is up there with Spicoli. I think you're right. <laughs> Damn. That's I'm actually honest. Damn. That was a mind blower right there. <laughs> actually, yeah, I'd like that just stopped me in my tracks for a second. That's uh that's 100%. Is Brad Pitt's Floyd the best stoner of all time? I think you that I think you don't be, talk about best stoners of all time without talking about Brad Pitt. Oh, I think that romance. I think that became a uh, contender for sure <sighs> yeah. with with Slater and uh, Scal- uh, uh Spicoli. Spicoli. Quick question for you. I need clarification on this movie, Sean. Um, what was Dick going to say to Clarence? You know, I when think he goes, he, hey, hey, Clarence. Ah, uh, yeah, never mind. You know? I think it's kind of heartbreaking to, because I think in this rewatch, I think he was going to be like, I don't think I should go. Like, I don't think I should go on a drug deal. Yeah. Because I just got a part and I, I think I Ooh. should maybe. You know Ooh. what I mean? That's, okay, wait, but was th- did he actually get a fucking part or was this a phone call? From from uh, Elliot being like, dude, I need you to get them over here. Like, oh, I don't think so. You don't think that that you actually think he was a good enough actor to get that part without a callback? I think he's a good enough actor to get a B role. 
Okay, I think, okay. I, I think that he was a good enough actor to be like a, a, a position to where like we need someone right now. Yeah, okay, Sean, I think was, you're I think you're nailing it. If he was not a good enough actor to get that part, he was not a good enough actor to sell it that way. Yes. That okay, Elliot called. I wanted to th- I wanted to believe that he was be like you know hey man this this is bad we, you you shouldn't go do this like I just got a crazy phone call but I but I, I like what you're saying that he. Is like, man, you're coming into my life at the wrong time here. Yeah. I love you, buddy, but uh And in 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 my aspect, wow. it would have been more heartbreaking if he did get shot in this yes. shootout, which I believed he did until I rewatched it. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's still what I think. I think he's, you know That's what I picked up on yeah. as well. It was the fact that he started to have these realizations that he things are coming up for Michael Rappaport. <laughs> Yeah, things are looking up. Things are coming gotta, up, Michael. He wants to help out Clarence, but he's okay. also like, I might get some money yeah. out of this whole deal. Maybe Clarence yeah. will get like give me a little kickback or something. Yeah, I think I think it's the idea of like maybe I shouldn't go because like I need to I got this thing tomorrow. I gotta make sure I'm sl- like I get some sleep. I gotta be prepared for it, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, one more question. Did they kill did the mobsters kill Elliot? Or sorry, uh Brad Pitt's character. No. You are we sure about that? No, I don't think they did. I don't think. I think he's out of his mind enough <laughs> to be like he will not even remember us. Remember that we we even arrived here. I'm gonna throw. something He won't at remember you. this conversation at all. I don't know, man. I'm gonna throw something at you. Okay, don't throw it. Okay. <laughs> I think Marvin killed Floyd. Marvin. Marvin, who is was the young guy. And who we talked about him. Um, he in was Goodfellas? in Goodfellas, the younger brother. What's his name? I got to look him up. I'll tell you this. I think Marvin killed him I got you. because going, I I believe that he was a young up and comer guy. Kevin Corrigan. Yep. Young up and comer into this. Basically a Goodfellas situation. He needed to make a kill. Uh, I think, and he, he was playing with that gun in the mirror, and he was trying to talk himself up and doing all these things. I wonder. I'm going to throw this out there. I think he killed Floyd so he could get a first kill. Interesting. Boom. Okay. There it is. Okay. What do you think, Mike? I I think Brad Pitt killed them all, <laughs> <laughs> and now he's starting Fight Club. <laughs> and, 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 and now he's Tyler Durden. Well, he no, he died. And turns <laughs> out, turns out, Tyler Durden, Floyd was actually. You have to kill yourself in order to really feel alive, That's or whatever right. the fuck they say in Fight Club. And then know. it turns out it's not, not actually your fucking khakis. <laughs> it's not actually Brad Pitt. It's actually Edward Norton. You're <laughs> not. You're not your sweatpants or your water bottle bong. That's right. You're, you're, you're not your Rastafarian hat that you're <laughs> that he apparently cur- found on the street that you're appropriating. Did you hear that? <laughs> Worse than Drexel. Yeah, almost as bad. Did you hear that? Apparently Brad Pitt found that hat on the street. (laughs) Yes, he cleaned it up. And he cleaned it. It was like, I'm wearing this. I love it. Let's finish the scene five. At the meeting, Clarence makes a good impression on Lee. They are then ambushed by both the cops and gangsters who coincidentally break in almost... Break in at almost the same time, sparking a massive gunfight. Everyone is killed except Alabama and Clarence, who are injured. They are shown as a happy family on a beach in Cancun with a son they've named Elvis. I love this scene so much where uh, uh, Bronson Pinchot is getting wired up with the detectives. <laughs> like that, th- Those three are great. I think that whole scene is improvised as well, of all of them. Just like, oh, hi, I'm with uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, that was really super great, and I love the scene, too, where... Uh, Clarence 
pins him up against the wall in, in, the, elevator. in the elevator and starts yelling at him. And their reactions it, while listening to it are so great. Like, he's bluffing. Like, he's bluffing. Oh, shit. He's, he's not bluffing. <laughs> Get your fucking head in the game, you fucking sissy. Like, let's can, go. Uh, can he hear them? No, no. Okay, okay. But that's what makes it better. Yes. Yes. It's like you yelling at a sports team. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like they can hear me, right? <laughs> Dump it in. Dump it in. Dump it in. Just go for it. <laughs> Uh, but Sean, I don't understand why is why is Clarence doing this? Is this because he saw something in a movie that he thinks that he needs to scare somebody because he thinks they're wearing a wire? Why like why does he do this? But then fucking Elliot like basically goes, "Yeah, I'm wearing a wire." With his conversation, yeah, and he goes, "It's okay, man. I believe you." Like what? You believe what? He just like basically said, "I hope someone comes to get me. Why won't someone come to get me?" If some if you said that to me, I'd be like, "Who are you talking to?" I think we'd be talking to like, I mean, let's let's break it down. Like Clarence talks to Elvis, so maybe he's like, "Oh, maybe he has somebody he talks to." I think I think that Clarence, as we've as we've kind of stated or, or to some degree, is that he is what he's seen and heard in his movies, and he can't decide outside of that. Right? He can't think outside of that. It's the fact that, like, he's not actually listening to, uh, what's his name, uh, to Elliot. Elliot. He's not actually listening to Elliot. He's doing his part to freak him out. And unless he actually came clean, like, full bore or whatnot. He, he asking, never expected him He's to not actually, asking if he's yeah. got a wire. He's asking if something's up there waiting for him. Yes. Right. You know? And there's a difference there. Okay. So it's the idea, like he he can't he he can't even decipher outside of it. He's got to play this part almost to up to this point, which is what he's been doing this whole time. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly it. There's nothing to provoke him to think this way, yeah. other than maybe a movie he watched. Right. Okay. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, that's that's an incredible scene. And then they they get upstairs. Did you did you read about Lee Donowitz, who's played by Saul Rubinek? Mm-hmm. Did you read uh, who they wanted how how they wanted his character to be? That kind of shady, like shady piece of shit. Like, oh yes, they they wanted it to be a portrayal of Joel Silver. <sighs> Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, Tony Go Scott Kane. apparently did not like Joel Silver very Top much, gun. and so he's like, "Yeah, let's kind of like let's do a let's, little dig, let's do a little dig at Joel Silver." Which uh, Saul Rubinek did not know that that's what they were going for apparently, <laughs> but he played it real well. well I think he sleaze did ball. I think he did it really well. I think he also had some very endearing. Parts to his role too. and portrayal. In this. I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like you understand why he's probably the producer or whoever, the movie maker that he is. Yeah, he's two point eight billion dollars, man. Yeah, very friendly to your face, very like up and coming, and probably once once you get off the he gets off the phone with that with Clarence. And he gets back on with Elliot, and he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" He's like, "It's <laughs> right. bullshit." And, nope, sounds great to me. Like, you know, we can work this out. We can do this, do that. You know, I think we could really make something happen here. Elliot, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. This is this is ridiculous to me. That's that's what he yeah. can do. You know, that's why he's in the position he is. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and uh, just to uh, reiterate my point of like. Alabama not being in this movie as much as she was in the beginning, and not being as big a part of it as she was in the beginning. I really think that there could have been a way to get her in this story more than she is. But like, and it's nothing against Patricia Arquette at all, 
because every time she's on screen, like in the background, she's like either like covering her face, like not wanting people to like she's acting her fucking ass off still, but she doesn't have much to do. You're now, right. what she I wish she had more to do in these scenes. It went, went from like a Bonnie and Clyde to a Clyde to just Clyde, Clyde. <laughs> yeah. and, and even even like Clyde, <laughs> because. <laughs> Even then, I don't think a lot of the end story, it, it becomes very much less about her. It becomes somehow even less about Clarence. And then it's really about this whole big scene, this bust. Getting to the Mexican standoff. The, the mobsters yeah. and, the, and the police, which again becomes like, which becomes the elevated part of this storytelling, you know? People getting shot, people not caring who's getting shot. Chris Penn doesn't care who, which of his, you know, colleagues are getting shot. You know, his partners and stuff like that. It's it becomes very, very just wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. You know, so and and again, I think P- Patricia Arquette. Every time she's been on screen, anyways, up to this point, she's been stealing it. So we step back. We have to. Someone else, please carry this well, movie. Somebody else, please. We just need to cover her up. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a sun that's glaring on this set, and it's her, and it's just gorgeous. We got so to cover her up. We got to take those pink hot pants off. Yeah, like, we just can't let her wear those. It exactly. Nuts. It is truly nuts. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So that that was my kind of thought on it. It's like if we if we give her too much at this point, people will just be focusing on her. True, so, I guess. I and you saw this ending. What do you guys think about the ending? Do you because I know uh, in a, in the original Tarantino script, he had this, he had Clarence die, and he had this Alabama kind of going off on her own. Um, but in this ending, we get uh, the happy ending uh, where you know Clarence and Alabama have a kid now, and they're on a beach, and, and which was actually her real kid, actually her real kid, <laughs> kind of fun. But and I, I know that Tarantino was like, I, I, he hated that ending. Uh, right when it came out, but then he's kind of come around and be like, it's Tony Scott's, Tony Scott's uh, excuse was like, I love these characters though. I don't want to see I them agree. die. I and didn't want to see either. I'm of them into die. that too. I, and it, dude, it's called true romance. Like mm-hmm. I want, I want this to live on. Mm-hmm. I want them to get away. I want them to 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 live and and love. And so yeah, I've dude, I'm I'm into it. This I, is I didn't think that anyone was gonna die watching the movie. I'm like, oh, somebody's gonna die. Not didn't even cross my mind. This is not Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's a love story here. There's more than the the violence. There's more than the violence to this movie. You know what I mean? And I think it was important that it ended the way that it did. So yeah, I yeah. like that Tarantino had come around on it because yes. yeah, Tony yes. Tony Scott's was like, I, I love these characters and so I don't want to see them go. And Tarantino's like, oh, I don't. I think this should be should go, but it, but it's it's Tony Scott's movie. Yeah, he, you know, he's right. Like he's right. he's adapting your screenplay yeah. into, into his movie, and Tarantino's like, you know what? It is Tony. It's a Tony Scott ending. If that's what you wanted, movie. then you should have directed the movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the you're so cool thing. Um, the, it's very important to note that one of my favorite bands in the world is the 1975, and my wife and I's song, n- not for any reason in the lyrics, but it's just our song is, is a song called Robbers by them, mm. where at the end uh, he says, you look so cool at the end. And I went, I watched this movie and went, you're so cool. You look so cool. Huh. Did the, what is the 1975 Robbers about? Maddie Healy wrote this song about true romance. Oh, oh my the whole gosh. song, The whole song is about this movie based on these characters of the movie. And it just like, it stopped me and Molly dead in our tracks. We're like, whoa, like this is our favorite song in a fucking movie. We just, it's your favorite movie, yeah. right? I mean, it, it really was one of those moments. Um, and I got two questions for you, two hypotheticals. Dick got away. Wouldn't mm-hmm. he have gotten rescued by the cops and then questioned 
what were you doing up there? What the fuck was going on? Tell us more what happened. Wouldn't he have maybe given away Clarence and told told everybody why they why he was up there? And then the the search for Clarence and Alabama would have continued. Also, wouldn't Blue Lou have kept coming after Clarence? Yeah, there's that. So there could have also there could have been a sequel maybe of a saxophone player? Blue Lou, yeah, dude. <laughs> he went on to be in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> he was in Murph and the Magic Tones. Murph and the Ma- That's right. Oh God, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so because you see, you see uh, Clarence in Alabama, kind of getting away, Tony Scott free, uh, <laughs> in in the hotel room. Fuck you. I'm sorry, that's an AJ joke, bro. <laughs> Huh? Huh? You could have had it. You could have. Uh, I can't reach that. Fucking I, I'm joke not asking though. for it. I don't want to ask for it. No, no, it's a joke about worthy, man. Um, but you know, you see them like literally walk by people, like or walk by cops, and so I think, and they're like he's bleeding and she's carrying him. I think Dick gets away scot free just uh-huh. by walking normal out of the hotel. In my opinion, yeah, yeah. I, I, no, it's okay. So, <laughs> the <laughs> Clarence was killed by Drexel. The rest of this is in his imagination. That's why everything's so unbelievable. Don't you? That's why everything's so unbelievable. Like he, act, like you know, the, he killed. The, they found the cocaine. Everybody survived. They had these wild moments. They got away from the cops twice without anybody noticing. Go on. Is that it? That's it. Ah, I want survived I want, a Mexican standoff yeah. when everyone died except for them. Mike, I want this for you, but I. Anyway, so we've dissected the movie scene. <laughs> Continue. What's your last thought? Uh, you know, I I think you can think about it like that. I also think you can think about it not like that. I think <laughs> you can think about it any way you want to think about it. It's Tarantino, bro. Anything goes, man. These are some, Isn't that what people say? <laughs> yeah, I think people say that. Somehow, somehow, like it's it's very few instances that um, w- while we watch these movies critically, that I don't question. <laughs> I don't question the things of of how somebody got away, like like uh, like Dick, right? I don't think about it because I want him to get away. I want him to get away from this as far as possible, as easily as possible. And I don't want to overanalyze that part of it because he that's a person who isn't innocent in this whole exchange for the most part. Wait a minute. Where was Christopher Walken? He never shows up again. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Christopher Walken was not in the Mexican standoff. No. So he's still out to kill Clarence. Yeah. 100%. Okay, just checking. That just blew my mind for a second there. Yeah, uh, his name is uh, Vincenzo. 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 Kakati. Karate. Kakati. Karate. Kakati. Okay. Vincenzo Karate. And Vincenzo Karate <laughs> shows up in Cobra Kai, season five coming up, guys. Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, we wrote it. So yeah. It's whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but that that is one of those things. Like he is still out there. There you I'm go. Is that it, boys? That's well, it. What's the watch guy? Who's who? What's the name of the guy who gives the watch to Butch? Just yeah. wondering. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Who's a Vietnam? There we go. Just Jesus. checking, guys. We have dissected this movie <laughs> with a modern eye, scene by scene. We have to give That's it me. a rating. AJ, I want to hear your modern day rating of True Romance. Mm. Mm. 
first upon first watch, the very first watch of this, as somebody who hadn't seen it before, I was like, "This is obnoxious." <laughs> It's like this is, you've got to be kidding. like this. Yeah, it's like Sean picked this, right? Okay, cool. This isn't Cobra. <clears throat> um, and so as I, but I watched this second time and then a third time, and I started to realize, like you know, you you this is a movie that you have to sit down. You can't put it on the background. You need to watch this yep. movie. It's important. You know, it's hard with you, a child. Yeah, exactly. It's very. It's, it's not easy <laughs> to do. I'm sorry, guys. Kids, I don't even understand. You know, you don't get my plate. You know, you okay? think a dog's a kid, but it's not. Every time <laughs> Theo big, comes up to me, and like, "Hey, I want to be pet." I'm like, "I gotta pay attention to this movie, Theo." <laughs> no. It's, like no, like, it's like that. None of that. Like none of that. Like it's it's, it's sometimes it's. Sitting down and dedicating time to watch a movie can be difficult, regardless of the situation, right? But um, to focus on the movie, and so, anyways, getting getting to focus on this movie and actually watch it, and then realize like I love these characters, I love the cast, I love the cast of these characters, um, and you start to you really start to just dial it back and just let the movie like take over, you know? That that can be hard to do, and once you do with this movie, I think it it makes. Some of the greatest points on the most base level of what they talk about, about how this is Tarantino's most like a uh, personalized movie feeling and how it's like the it's it's not just like it's like not a man's like fantasy. It's a it's a boy's fantasy is really what it comes down to and like all aspects of this. And um you know, whether it be getting the girl in the way that it's perfect for you and then, you know, saving her from from the evil guy and then having a standout standoff shootout, you know, that's all fantasy. Right. But it's so it's told so well somehow with some of the best characters um, that I've probably seen in a while, especially for this time frame, and the way it's put together. I think I've got to go ahead and give this movie. um I'm going to give this an 8.1. Sean, what about you, man? I yeah, I agree with everything AJ has said. Um, I it, it's well, it's it's known that Roger Avery kind of uh, helped uh, Quentin Tarantino with this uh, with the script a lot, and he kind of came up with this like uh, Bonnie and Clyde thing, and, and Tarantino ran with it, and um, he gave Tarantino like a maybe 15 page thing, and then Tarantino came back with like a 500 page thing. Uh, like script about these two characters. And it was pretty much uh, like a lot of what was taken out was um, like fantasy, like dream sequences of like the two, like going to a restaurant and just like mowing down everybody or get going to prison and escaping. And that was turned into natural born killers. So they, they split true romance and that story of natural born killers to be two different movies and two different scripts. Um, I think that it's expertly made. Uh, I love Tony Scott films. I love the way he directs it. I love the I love his cinematography. Jeffrey Kimball does a great job in these movies a lot, and uh, the actors are stacked. The characters are fucking so so iconic and so fun to watch. Um, the dialogue is so much fun to listen to. My only gripe about the movie, I just wanted to show people that it's going to go up in the studio yeah. soon. As you can see. Uh, I do. She was crazier than him. Yeah, I do really like it. You know, so, yeah. fearless, and she was his queen. And God help anyone who dared disrespect his. It's queen. reversible. It's fine. It's <laughs> goodbye from Arrow. Um, Sorry. 
<laughs> the, the, my only gripe about it is that towards the end, uh, Patricia Arquette is out of this movie and kind of forgotten about a little bit. Yeah. I think she becomes like more of a side character on a back burner, which I think this movie is both of them together, and that's where I, this movie is uh, the strongest. Uh, so for that, I am an 8.9. 8.9 for the Shauner. I'm so glad that uh, we revisited this movie. I loved it. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think the only issues I have is that it was a Tarantino Scott movie. You know, like, mm. It's like both of them, and I, I almost want to separate that. Mm. And I think if maybe this was a Tarantino directed and written movie like it might be an all-timer i i really think that that's the way it should have gone instead of having uh tony scott direct it and him write it you know like i would have liked to have seen what he would have done with it um I, the only things i didn't like were like the the music theme yeah just popping you know, up throughout the movie you know, like i didn't Hans zimmer's thing i didn't like it i uh, shouldn't but i really do i don't for some reason i do i think you just love the movie well i you know what i I've thought about it a lot. Yeah. And I it's it, sh- it just it shows up at weird times. It that shouldn't it fades work, in but, and you're like, but I do what are like we doing? it. Uh there were some some scenes I think that could have been cut, felt a little long at times, but but really I I very much enjoy this movie. I'm at eight point three five, just below Reservoir Dogs, in my opinion. Ah. Which to let you guys know where you were at, AJ, you were a nine point two on Reservoir Dogs, eight point one on this. Sean, you're a nine on Reservoir Dogs, eight point nine on this. So yep. Want to make sure we're good with that? That takes us to an 8.45 for this movie, which if you want to look on our scale of all the movies we've done, 8.45 takes us into the number 15 all right. spot. That is just below Stand By Me, just above Lethal Weapon. Nice. <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah. Fucking great spot for it. I love Lethal Weapon, but I do think that this is overall a better movie. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for being here. Tune in next week. We're going to hit Mrs. Doubtfire and then possibly a very special episode that may or may not happen. May or may not happen. Possibly would then come out that day. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know, guys. And if you're new to the podcast, go back this time last year. Batman 1989 is what we did right behind me. There There it is. is. VHS. And don't forget, we have a voicemail. Call us at 319-804-9596. Leave us some feedback like today's caller. Guys, this is Nick from Ohio. Uh, my little brother introduced me to your podcast. I've been listening to it nonstop for about three months. Not quite caught up on everything, but I'm trying every day at work. But you have guys have got to review 1993 Airborne. Mm. I know you've heard of it. I've known you see it. It's it's amazing. Jack Black, Seth Green. It was a classic when I was a kid. My brother and I watch it all the time. It's got rollerblading. It's got hockey. What else can you need? Hope you guys review it. See ya. We is currently up in a vote, which I think will now be over in Patreon. I tried to get everybody to vote for it, and they did not. Surprisingly, I think it's our lowest vote getter. What the hell's going on? But I agree. I'm just going to shove it down everybody's throat at some point. I'm <laughs> just going to pick it. It's going to be my I, – yeah. I wanted I wanted a group consensus. It might – you know, we try to get good ratings here. We want to do movies everybody knows. But at some point, you just got to be like, I'm sorry, we're doing Airborne. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think we'll get to it, man. Totally. It's going to be there. Yeah. Hey, man, I uh, hope you're away from all that bullshit that's going on in Ohio, and I hope you're doing good. That's uh, scary stuff. But absolutely, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for leaving that five star review because I know you just did it right now. 
okay? And you wrote us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you are searching for us and finding us and hanging out with us on social media at Confused Breakfast anywhere on social media. Just search for Confused Breakfast, and for goodness sake, check out this new awesome set on YouTube. That's it. Look at us. Go to confusedbreakfast.com as well to get all of our merch. Get our Confused Breakfast logo right on your chest. Get uh, Damn Dang It on your chest. Get the Funeral Home on your chest. Uh, and uh, back, whatever. They all, they cover everything, I believe. Uh, some stickers there. We've got some mugs. You can get whatever you Why want. Uh, go to our same damn website as well and see our ratings. See, this popped into like top 15, right? Uh, this is probably uh, up there on my personal ratings. You can see that in uh, all three of our personal ratings as well. Thank you. If Goodbye. You, I love you. Yeah, if you want to support us, uh, check out all of our sponsors, buy stuff from them, use the codes. Also go to patreon.com slash confusedbreakfast. Join the Patreon group. You get all the bonus features, bonus audio, Discord servers, voting on upcoming movies. Uh, we are now, um, we're not now, but they are now called Upload Media Group here in Cedar Rapids. That is what is where we're at, where the show is produced, how the show is produced, uploadmediagroup.com. We got Craig on the controls. And we are part of the Cloud 10 iHeartMedia Podcast Network. Go learn more about them at cloud10.fm. That's it for us. Goodbye. You're so cool. I love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.